0: You're listening to KFI AM 640, On Demand. KFI AM 640, you have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. This is Dr. Wendy after dark. It's really dark now since those clocks have changed. Oh, Producer Kayla, I was driving to work going, what is it, midnight now already? I know, and I'm so exhausted. Oh, earlier, I don't know what I this know. is about. It has melatonin in the daylight savings time. I think, I think we just like animals go to sleep earlier in the winter, sleep longer. No, you know, like think of the summer. We were out like having picnics at eight at night, and now here we are. Like, oh, it feels like I just want to snuggle in my little duvet, cuddle up. Anyway, welcome to the Dr. Wendy Wall Show. Here's what we got. Uh, I'm going to talk more. More over the top tiers about the from that golden bachelor. I'm sick of it. Uh, Taylor and Travis take their romance on tour. And for the rest of us, what's the difference between positive psychology and toxic positivity? People are getting confused. I'm going to define also if you have anger, you ever wonder what you're supposed to do with it? Like, what are the what does the research say? How is the healthy way to really deal with our anger? We can turn our anger into a super strength. Um. Okay, so if you're new to the show, I have a PhD in clinical psychology. I'm a psychology professor, not a therapist at Cal State Channel Islands, but I'm obsessed with the science of love. I've written three books on relationships, did a dissertation on attachment theory, and, well, I'm up to speed on anything to do with love and health. I'm also a professor of health psychology. You want to know an interesting study that came across my desk today, Kayla? Super interesting. What'd you say? Uh, so I've always thought that if, I'm and I teach it, if you're not getting enough sleep, it's bad for your health. But I don't know how to tell you this, but in the last few months, and I was always a sleep whore when I was young. I needed my nine hours. I love sleep. In the past six months, I'm not sleeping more than six, maybe six and a half hours at night. And I never feel tired. Like I get up, I go to the gym. And there's no afternoon fallout. Like, oh, I'm so tired. I should take a nap. So, you know, it may be sort of a postmenopausal thing because when the factory shuts down, we probably don't need as much sleep to maintain it. But I was still worried. So the Wall Street Journal sends an article to me today because I think they hear I'm talking like everybody hears Instagram, TikTok, whatever. And it says, don't worry if you're not getting enough sleep as long as the sleep is in a consistent pattern, like more dangerous, apparently, even if you are getting eight hours his inconsistent patterns, staying up super late, getting up early, dealing with jet lag, shift work, all that stuff, very bad for your health. They actually had a sentence that said something like, if you're getting only six hours of sleep, sleep a night and it's at, you go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time, then you're going to be much have better health outcomes than the person who's getting eight or nine, but in an inconsistent way. So I felt better because I'm pretty consistent. I'm like dead out by 10 and then unfortunately somewhere in the four o'clock hour there I am I staring at the ceiling so uh it is what it is a little bit of update okay Taylor Swift update like you care apparently there's other news in the world but uh in the last year Taylor Swift seems to be the only news that we like to talk about so uh Julio told me my boyfriend Julio because he was watching, he's watching like Sunday Night Football right now. And I said, oh, I read that Travis is on the road with her. And he said, yeah, he he doesn't have to go back to work until November 20th. I'm like, you have all the player schedules memorized? And he's like, yeah, he named what kind of week it was or whatever. He's like, yeah, he's not back till November 20th. So according to E! Entertainment News, it's time for us all to grab our passports uh, because Travis, Kelsey, and Taylor have taken their romance on the road. The Kansas City Chiefs tight end. We Have we examined that? Do we know? If he has a tight end? Yeah. Yes, he does. Oh, you've checked it out. Okay, yes, I good. have. Uh, they went down to South America because she's starting the next leg of her tour and uh, he was apparently enchanted to see her perform in Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, but he was caught in the VIP tent standing next to her dad. And her dad was wearing a Kansas Chiefs lanyard. Oh, yeah. Dad's approving. I don't think we've seen many of her loves with her dad. At least mm-hmm. not in the headlines I've read. This is interesting. The night before, the couple were spotted out to dinner. Fans captured video of them walking, holding hands on the way into the restaurant. And when they walked into the restaurant, everybody applauded. <laughs> okay, that's the new Okay, she's going on tour. Anybody remember the Katy Perry-Russell Crowe marriage that happened for a minute? I watched the Katy Perry documentary And I literally watched that relationship fall apart because of her tour and his tour. He was touring. She was touring. And she was on private jets crying because they wouldn't give her a day off to fly in and see her boyfriend, husband, whatever. Um, Now, this girl's heading off on tour, and he's still got some football to play, apparently. So either he gets on that private jet with her and follows her around the world as soon as the season's over. But that's not until, well, I don't understand football, like, there's a Super Bowl in January, but don't they kick out some teams before that and they stop playing? Yeah, I think uh, the only two teams that play are the two in the Super Bowl until then you're, you're fighting. So does anyone spot. know what his team is doing? Is it doing good or bad? Raul, or? Raul anybody, anybody. The best team in football. Uh, in is that color. your favorite I mean, team, Raul? Yeah, of course. All right, it is? Well, well, we you okay. can't ask him. He's being so, biased. No, but could they actually get all the way to the Super Bowl? I don't know. Not the way they're playing. I, okay. I want them to, but I don't think they will. I, I'm a big fan and I'm hoping for it, but no. I, I will say, I feel like he has a little bit more of a successful busy career than Russell had. So maybe there'll be a little bit more understanding between him and Taylor versus Katie and Russell because well, like he Katie was on was tour. High. He was touring everywhere. Tour? yeah, oh. he was doing comedy tours. You look at that. yeah All and right. doing movies. Well, there's that. thing. So he was stuck. They huh. were both stuck. All right. So anyway, I hope his team loses very quickly so that he gets kicked out, and I'll tell you why because the way to build a relationship is with time. You got to do FaceTime. And I don't mean the one on your iPhone. I mean, you got to be there and you got to see each other. So he needs to jump on her jet and just go be with her while she's on tour. Otherwise it's not going to work out. There's also a big danger to dating in public like this. And I do want to say, I know it's boring to stay inside a hotel room and order room service, but they need private time to grow intimacy. They can't have, I mean, there they were on Saturday Night Live, just to two or three weeks after starting to date. That's a little much. All right. um, Golden bachelor update last week. As you recall, Leslie, the dancer and personal trainer from Minnesota. She got the rose. She was safe. And then our Gary shed tears again. That man needs to stop crying because he couldn't decide between faith. The one who roared in on a motorcycle the first week and Teresa, the 70-year-old who pretended she was in her birthday suit, but it was a skin-colored, like, thing. You know, she had a robe on, and she flashed him. And I know. Anyway, uh, this week's Golden Bachelor uh, was the conclusion of the last rose ceremony, and they also do this women tell all where everyone comes back. So remember last week, my prediction was that the prettiest one who was sick of it all and went home to her daughter who had postpartum depression or something would come back. She did, in fact, come back this week, but with all of them, and I don't think she's staying, but she did, um, you know, talk about her daughter and the birth of the baby, etc. cetera. We talked about a bunch of stuff. Anyway, this is all you care about. Teresa got the rose and motorcycle driving. Faith was eliminated. We were all shocked. Do we have some sound on that? Then you want to know what makes me feel the worst? What? I promised your family something yeah, I know. and I broke that promise. Okay. That's so awful. Oh, okay. No, it is. That's awful. I well, promised them that I would protect your heart. Yeah. And I didn't do that. I don't feel like you deceived me. I don't feel like you purposely broke my heart in any way, shape or form. And I don't think my family feels that way either. I know your heart is true in, in all the good ways. And you're a beautiful soul. And I, I feel so blessed to have known you. It's been quite a journey, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Okay, if you could have seen the tears, this women love a man who can cry, but not very often and not every week on every episode. But every week, this guy, the waterworks, I'm done with it. Okay, so his final two are now Leslie and Teresa. They head to Costa Rica. This is it. The big thing this week. They're going to meet Gary's family. They're going to have their fantasy suites, fantasy suites. Are they really going to go in there? Are we going to watch? A 71-year-old go knock boots with two different women one night in a row. Oh, my God. One after another. Terrible. Um, I will just tell you right now, Leslie's going to be the winner. She, You know why? Because they're down in Costa Rica, and she runs these Pilates trips down there. And that's like her second home. So I think Teresa, as much as she's been all gaga for him all the way along, Teresa's going to say they're getting rid of her. This is my prediction. All right, when we come back, you ever mad? I mean, really mad? And you don't know what to do with it? And you've been told be nice and think positive and you're mad at yourself or you're mad at somebody else and you can't figure out what to do with this anger. We're going to talk about this when we come back. You are listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh show on KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You're listening to KFI AM 640 on demand. KFI AM 640. You have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh show. I am going to disclose something now. I have always had a problem with anger. I, you know, my parents did the best they could with the tools they had that came from the generation before them. And if we expressed rage or anger as children, no one ever said to us, I see you're really angry right now. Let's find a way for you to deal with it. Uh, Let's, you know, talk about it. They would say, Young lady, go to your room and come back when you've changed your attitude. See, the critical voice just flows in my head. Come back when you've changed your attitude. And at the very worst, they would say, just cheer up. That's what they heard. Those were the lessons I got in my life about how to deal with anger. So when I feel angry, I never know what to do with it. And when I was in therapy, I would say to my therapist, I'm just, so oh, man, I, don't, I have to get happy. She, she would complain that I would make myself happy too quickly. I wouldn't stay in the anger long enough. Who wants to stay in anger? First of all, it's not real comfortable. But she kept saying, feelings are messengers and there is fertile ground there. I'll never forget. There is fertile ground. Something's going to grow from it. But I would try to bounce back into positivity Because I didn't know how to garden in that fertile ground. I didn't know what to do with that anger. Now, I used to think, because I read all those silly studies about you're supposed to, like, get it out and vent and yell and scream. You're supposed to, like, hit a pillow or something. Guess what? The newest research shows that that just raises your blood pressure and your heart rate. And it doesn't calm you down. You know, we're told all the time that we're supposed to stay positive. We're told to focus on the positive. But there's new research that I'm going to tell you about in a minute that says a healthy dose of anger can actually be motivating, can actually become a superpower. Now, I have noticed in recent years a couple of people who have passed through my life, see, passed through, I didn't let them stay, who cope with their anger. Using a strategy called toxic positivity. I didn't even know this had a name until recently. There's a great book called uh, Toxic Positivity written by Whitney, whoever in Florida, a really great therapist. I follow her on TikTok and Instagram. And toxic positivity is kind of what was tried to be instilled in me, which is the pressure to only display positive emotions. That if you're not showing positive emotions, you're somehow unattractive, right? So people learn to suppress any negative emotions, any negative feelings or their reactions to stuff. And what does it do? It invalidates us as an authentic human being, right? It can lead to all kinds of things. Well, first of all, um, trauma. Like in my case, I didn't know what to do with anger. In fact, I was told be nice so much that when I was raped as a teenager, I was nice to him. I didn't know where to put my anger or what to do with my anger, right? If you become a parent and your coping strategy is toxic positivity, it can be traumatic for children because children aren't taught what to do with those natural, normal human feelings. It can also lead to unhealthy coping mechanism. Oh yeah, if you're trying to suppress any negative feelings, how are you going to do that? Uh Uh-huh. You're going to use a little alcohol? You're going to use some drugs? How about sex? That's a really great drug. Those are all those things we do to negatively cope with uncomfortable feelings. And the biggest thing that can happen is our relationships can become ruptured. Here are some examples of toxic positivity. I hear it all the time in our culture. Hey, 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 good vibes only. You're trying to express yourself and they say, good vibes only. Or they say... Come on, look on the bright side Or things could be much worse. You know, think of how bad it really could be. You're really lucky to be in the situation you're at. You know, earlier, I should say, I'm not going to disclose what it was, but uh, my own wonderful beloved producer, Kayla, told me a story of somebody she was angry with. And I didn't say, you know what? She did her best. She was a nice person and probably she's struggling. That's what my mom would have said to me. But you know what I said? You want me to go beat her up? Right? You said she's such an itch. I was like, yeah, she is toxic. You want me to go beat her up? Of course, I'm not <laughs> going to use physical violence. Calm down, everybody. I'm not being literal. But what that statement said is I hear you, I feel your feeling, and I feel protective of you. That's what I heard. Uh, other people who use toxic positivity say things like, you know, we just have to be grateful for what we have. And the big one, don't be so negative. Don't be so negative. You know what? Toxic positivity, as far as I'm concerned, is actually a form of gaslighting. Because remember what gaslighting is, right? Where you make the other person feel crazy that they're the crazy one. So it creates this false narrative of reality. You know, there was a person I knew who has toxic positivity. That's her coping strategy. I'm sure she has a lot of underlying anger and it's not my job to deal with it or get out. But anytime I would try to be authentic and express my real feeling, she would change the subject. She would get happier. She would find a way to, you know, she just couldn't tolerate it. And what did I feel? I felt dismissed. I felt pained because I was, I was just being ignored, right? Um, And I felt kind of embarrassed, And a shame that I I tried to be vulnerable and it made her feel that uncomfortable. Like somehow my real feelings weren't welcome. I do want to be clear though that toxic positivity is very different from this area of psychology called positive psychology. I teach this in all my classes at Cal State Channel Islands. The father of positive psychology is a former head of the APA, American Psychological Association, Martin Seligman. He's written all kinds of books about positive psychology. Um and he basically looked at what what therapy was doing and that it was allowing people to wallow in wine and giving them all kinds of empathy in the therapeutic frame in the in the office. But they weren't working to build up someone's strengths, right? So positive psychology isn't about suppressing feelings, ignoring feelings. It's about saying, wow, some bad stuff happened to you. Let's see how you were able to become resilient. How were you able to become hardy? What kind of strengths grew from that horrible thing? Not like, oh, let's look on the bright side. You should be grateful, right? And so... Basically, positive psychology tries to help people gain the skills to be able to deal with the bad stuff in life so that they can live a life that is full and authentic, compassionate, humane, um, and to have this ability to be whole and not be afraid of our feelings, right? Not be afraid of the negative feelings when they show up, as I was and still am sometimes, Nobody's more, it, I, I shouldn't disclose this, but my sweet, loving boyfriend is so afraid of anger. And I'm like, you need to get angry more. I, I, I end up getting angry more often than he does. Um, so what do we do with our anger? We don't try to just ignore it. We don't um, it, it find a way to just, you know, hit pillows and all that kind of, although going for a good walk can be good. But there's new research that just came out showing that anger actually has benefits to help you attain your goals. And I'm going to explain all the steps of how we can all use anger in a healthy way when we come back. You are listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You're listening to KFI AM 640 On Demand. KFI 640. You have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh show. Oh my goodness. Anger, anger, anger. I feel so uncomfortable when I am angry. I don't know what to do with it. And I know the research says, you know, hitting the pillow or doing what it doesn't work. It raises your heart rate. It raises your blood pressure. There is some research to say that going for a nice long walk to cool off is very helpful. Um But there's a new study from the Department of Psychological and Brain Sciences at Texas A&M University, and the study's called, Anger has Benefits for Attaining Goals. Da-da-da-da! You know, it reminds me of a very famous Malcolm X quote. Malcolm X once said, Usually when people are sad, they don't do anything. They just cry over their condition. But when they get angry, they bring about a change. So let's go back to you know, the Me Too movement, when women started to really go, wait a minute, I, I had this unspeakable uh, feeling that I was being discriminated against or sexually harassed in the workplace or, God forbid, sexually assaulted, and I had nowhere to put this anger. But now that we can, you know, have a hashtag, go on Twitter, <laughs> we can, um, you know, try to take abusers down. It It helps people when they do something about it. Now, I know that a lot of you believe that a state of happiness is ideal and that the pursuit of happiness should be our major goal. I think it's written into our constitution or something. I don't know something about the pursuit of happiness. Isn't it what, some big legal document? I don't know. I know it's a Will Smith movie. That's all life, I got. liberty, pursuit of sure, happiness. Yeah. No, it's something political. We're supposed to be doing mm. it over here in America anyway. <laughs> uh, but here's what we know that a mix of emotions, which includes negative states actually results in the best outcomes for us. Remember, we inherited every single feeling and emotion because our ancestors needed it and we need it, right? So here's what the researchers did at Texas A&M University. They did seven separate experiments. They used students to participate, and they made students experience anger. Apparently, it's very easy to make college students feel really angry when you insult their school. They showed pictures of, you know, some of the football stars wearing diapers and baby bottles. And I don't know, they just got them all riled up and angry. Uh, And then what they did is gave them different puzzles to solve. And they found that anger helped the students solve more puzzles. When they were asked to play a challenging computer game, the game was rigged to make it nearly impossible to win, like some crazy Rubik's cube. This made the students angry but in those moments they moved faster their reaction time decreased and so overall as far as productivity is concerned anger actually can increase it's beneficial increases it can be a superpower right now How there are some steps because we know that anger can do some very bad things. If you say the wrong thing to the wrong person or you hit a person or break an object, this is not a healthy way to channel your anger. So let's talk about what really is healthy. Here are the steps. Write them down. Number one, recognize it. Some people are so used to their own toxic positivity or they've been told that, you know, you're not attractive if you show that anger, that they're not even aware that it's there. So you might want to check your body for it. Is it in your stomach? Is it in your chest? Is your heart beating fast? Do you have a headache? Recognize where that anger is in your body and then attribute it. Now, if you're somebody who always blames yourself, which I always was, what did I do wrong? If I had done it differently, then this wouldn't have happened, right? I had to learn to tolerate the guilt of attributing it to others. Now, if you're somebody who externalizes and you're blaming everybody else for all your problems... You need to learn how to tolerate self-blame when you're angry, right? Now, if your anger is completely all-consuming and you might hurt somebody, uh, you need to step away, cool down, because if you go for that long walk, then your thinking brain can use the angry energy more thoughtfully. Uh, When I was angry this week, I actually went... (laughs) (laughs) Julio and I had a very small tiff. It wasn't even a big deal, and we're fine now, but... I stormed out. I'm going to the gym. And then on the way to the gym, I called my best friend. And I never made it to the gym. I was just walking around the block, talking to her and venting, right? In the meantime, what he does when he's angry, probably not as healthy, is he rides his motorcycle. So I'm watching him ride his motorcycle around the block and and passing me. And I'm walking and he's like, we're pretending we don't even see each other. (laughs) Then we get home and we're like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was weird. Uh, Okay. So also fight. Knee-jerk reactions that won't help you feel better. I know. We love to have those moments of retribution, right? I'm going to get them. That's not going to make you feel any better. Or what about, you know what? When you apologize to me, no, extracted apologies never make us feel better. They're, they're not even real. Um, instead, accept that that other person might never see your side. And that's okay. You don't have to win. When you have anger, all you need to do is express your needs, set your boundaries, oh, and stick to those boundaries, or maybe find a compromise. But you don't have to insist that they see you, understand you, that they said you win. Just make sure you say, I'm angry. When you did this, it hurt me in this way. Just tell them. That's it. So from now on, the new rule is, I am not going to, and then you stick to it and walk away. Try to refrain from ranting and venting and repeating yourself. That's not solution oriented. And the biggest one, don't ignore your anger and don't ignore confrontation. It doesn't have to be scary. You will get better and better and better at it. The more you just learn to say, hey, this really bothered me. And so in the future, I would like for you to do this or I'm gonna react by doing that. Okay, you just basically set your boundaries straight. All right. A lot of people online imagine that they are dating narcissists. For some reason, the narcissistic personality disorder, which is only about like, uh, we should look this up, Kayla, 2-3% of the population. If you look on, uh, you know, TikTok, it's like 80% of the guys women are dating. However, there are certain things that narcissists actually do. And I'll tell you how to spot them when we come back. How many? 0.5 and 1%. Between 0.5 and 1%. So maybe one out of a hundred dudes is an actual narcissist. Some of them have narcissistic traits and some of them are just a little bit selfish. But uh, I'll tell you how to spot a real narcissist when we come back. You are listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh show on KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You're listening to KFI AM 640 on demand. 640, you have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show. I'd like to welcome my TikTok audience. If you'd like to come in the studio and see what we're doing here, just log on to TikTok and look me up at Dr. Wendy Walsh, at Dr. Wendy Walsh. At, the reason why we're on uh, TikTok now is because after this segment, I will begin to take your calls for my drive-by, makeshift relationship advice. So um, get ready for that. I'll be giving out the number at the end of the segment. Okay, so today... We are talking about narcissists. If you look at the women venting and ranting on the Internet about their dating lives, you would estimate that, oh, about 80% of men have a narcissistic personality disorder. I'll tell you what's actually going on. We have an oversupply of successful women who are in because of the advent of the birth control pill can now enjoy sex without the risk of reproduction. And so why not? It feels good. They're putting sex out into the culture in high supply. And you know what happens when something rises in supply? The price goes down. So in uh, the 1950s, the price of sex was, uh, let's see, six months of courtship and an altar, a full-on wedding. People tried to be virgins until they got married, right? In the 1980s, that was my era, (laughs) the price of sex was three expensive dates. There was this third date rule. Today, the price of sex can be one well-worded text. And as a result, men are starting to call the shots because they don't have to commit. They're getting what they need. Now, we know they need more. We know they need um, an emotional connection with a woman. They, We know they need love. But it's hard for them to do that when they're getting so much free sex. So I'm not telling women to stop having sex with men. I'm saying uh, we should be petitioning our government to give us uh, money for childcare. Every workplace should have free child care in it because there's a growing number of single parents because we have a fertility window that men just don't have. Right. But I digress. So there are men out there waving the flag. That, oh, I'm just wired that way. I'm polyamorous. And I'm very committed to all the women I'm having sex with. Uh Uh-huh. It's just because you have access to more women. It's not that you're all polyamorous, okay? I'm just going to say that flat out. It's because you can. And women are allowing it. We'll say that. Not blaming women. Just saying it's happening. So it's not that 80% of men out there are narcissists. But 1% of them actually are according to data right actually have a bona fide narcissistic personality disorder so how do you know how can you spot that narcissist that's showing up uh first of all they tend to engage in a lot of love bombing now at the very beginning of any relationship two people overvalue each other you literally there's there's research to show that your neurochemistry actually thinks the person's better than they are. So yeah, there are going to be some compliments, some praise, some attention, some gifts. Let me tell you my story. One time on a third date, a guy gave me a Cartier watch. Now, had I known what I know now, it was like an early apology. That's what was happening. It was like, here, take this now because there's some bad stuff that's going to happen and I'm going to do it to you. And that was it. I found out he was cheating on me with all kinds of women. Did they all have Cartier watches? I don't know. Um, here's another way to spot a narcissist besides the love bombing. If you do try to be vulnerable and honest and express your feelings, they get irritated and they gaslight you and make you feel like there's something wrong with you. Well, maybe you just need to go deal with this. Okay. Cause that's not my thing, right? That's how narcissists do. Um, One time years ago, I met a guy, it was a fix up through other people. And I, we, we did one of those overnights at a hotel, but not in one hotel room. Like we were just going to meet at a resort that's in my town. And he said, oh, I'll get you your own room and we'll have dinner there. And I'm flying in. And it was a fix up through friends. So I knew him and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I knew the friends and, and of course he expected me to go into, even though there were two rooms, expected me to spend time in his room and that night. And I chose not to. And he got so angry. This guy literally did the flip from being kind and elegant to angry and rude. And in fact, we had to drive back to L.A. two hours, and he was driving, and he drove so. I was so terrified. Ugh. So, yeah, the narcissist—they get irritated. Um, they also maintain this false idea of security. Narcissists don't want to get vulnerable. They think feelings are weird or they make you feel like you're weird for having feelings. And they are so stealth at changing the subject and deflecting. I remember I was dating this guy one time and I called him and I said something, I don't know, sweet and loving and wanting to be close to him. And he said, hey, did you hear who was hosting SNL last night? He literally just changed that. So I was like, did I just say what I thought I said? Uh, Narcissists love to go shopping because they want to control you and your style, right? Um, that's what they do. They, they, it's not like they're being generous and love bombing. They want to mold you into somebody they can control and they love to control the plans. Right? So it seems romantic because they suddenly have these last minute, great concert tickets or they call you and say, you know, one time this guy called me and he's chatting with me and he's trying to, it was late at night too. And he's trying to get all sweet and sexy and lovey. And then after I'm taking the bait a bit, then he says, oh, by the way, I'm parked outside your apartment right now. Can I come up? As if it's this big romantic gesture. I'm like, that is creepy. No, you can't come up. That is weird that he drove to do that. All right, when we come back, I'm going to be taking your calls. The number is 1-800-520-1KFI. That's one 800 Five two zero one five three four. You can change your name if you want, because I know these are tender topics. Um, and reminder, I'm not a therapist. I'm a psychology professor, but I've written three books on relationships and did a dissertation on attachment style. So I've got some Auntie Wendy wisdom for you. 1-800-520-1534. You are listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. KFI AM 640 on demand.